Hello, everyone, and welcome to Watch and Walk podcast with Ebenezer. This podcast aims at inspiring you to trust in God and obey His Word every day. Be edified as you listen to this exhortation. Hello, friend. My name is Ebenezer, and I believe you are doing well by God's grace. I also trust that you've been picking some helpful lessons from my conversation with James, the brother of Jesus and one of the leaders of the first century church. Well, today I'm going to offer you the third part of my interaction with him, where I ask him to explain his views on the connection between faith and works. And let me indicate again that the role of James is played by Taylor Shippey, who is an MDiv graduate of Baylor Stewart Seminary and the pastor of Gibbon Baptist Church in Gibbon, Nebraska. Here is the third part of my conversation with James. Now, um, okay, let's look at the big, big um, issue about the difference between or the link between faith and works. Just explicate that point more for us. Oh, boy. <laughs> you are hitting on, um, how shall I say, what most people will say as the my legacy, my the thing that I left on Christian theology, the second half of my second chapter of my book, of my letter, because there's a complicated history, right? I think I for to answer this question, what I think about works and faith, I want to just kind of express my relationship with my brother Apostle Paul. Because I think a lot of people in your time think that me and the Apostle Paul are enemies on this. Mm-hmm. What do I say? Why do I say that? Chapter 2, verse 20, 24 says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. That's what I said. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, chapter 3, verse 28 says, for we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Many people are quick to jump to think that me and the Apostle Paul are having a little wor- uh, fight with words here, that we are enemies in this sense mm-hmm. that we don't, we don't agree on anything how is it possible but i want to concur that we that there is actually some agreement here and so first i want to express that me and the apostle paul are colleagues in ministry and i think we're personal friends i met the apostle paul when he came down for the jerusalem council after his conversion but again after he had been on several missionary journeys when we had that discussion about uh Again, that Jerusalem Council discussion on the the need for Gentiles in the church and what they adhere to. I had become aware of some of the Apostle Paul's distinctive emphasis on what he would call justification by faith alone. But I had not fully come to grips on it yet until I met the Apostle Paul. Because at the time, none of his letters had been circulated. All that I knew the Apostle Paul's of his teaching is what, have, what he had preached in Tarsus and, and in Antioch. And so what could happen is that um, some misunderstanding might have come from the Apostle Paul's teaching. And what happened likely is that um, I had heard that there were Christians in my area with this slogan, uh, mantra, or however you want to say it, saying justification by faith alone as an excuse to neglect a commitment to discipleship and practical Christian living. I call this a perverted Paulinism. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm going after. Now, I don't know if it originated with the Apostle Paul. I don't think it did. I think it originated with his teachings. 
And as his teachings got scattered from Antioch and from Tarshish and around the area, people that were kind of getting a secondhand version of his teachings took on this understanding. And I, like I said, perverted that. And so when I met the Apostle Paul at the Jerusalem Council, I had the opportunity to ask him questions, to understand what was he saying. And he was just as grieved as I was that his teaching had strayed so far from his original intent. And so we have to understand that when we're talking in different places, when Paul is writing to his letter to the Romans and I'm writing my letter, we have to be interpreted in our own contexts as opposed to one, a different one. And so while it gives off the appearance of a conflict from different vantage points, we're combating different things. And so at least in my context, I'll speak for myself. In my context, I'm speaking to people that are that are under that believe that once they become saved, that they are justified, that they don't need to do anything. They don't need to have any works as a sign of the salvation and the grace that they have received. Hmm. Hmm. I'm arguing that one possesses the right kind of faith when it's a faith that works. My point is that genuine biblical faith will inevitably be characterized by good works. The essence of faith is defined as a stance that includes one's whole life. Hmm. And so a test to determine whether you have genuine faith is the deeds of obedience to the will of God. I speak of this as an active response to the implanted word of God, which is able to save our souls. But we have to be doers of the word, not just hearers. This is an authentic mark of authentic Christianity, of what I will call true religion. Our Lord, he spoke of a parable of the sheep and the goats. And Mm -hmm. it's recorded in Matthew 25. He said, I needed clothes. Did you clothe me? That's an action. That's a response. And so in my own letter, I bring up a similar accusation that there are those that come into our assemblies, that come into our churches, and we do not clothe them. We don't clothe them. And what happens is the words of an uncaring believer who fails to act to help a person in need are as useless as the profession of faith of a believer who does not have deeds. Hmm. So faith all by itself is dead. Maybe perhaps better translated is, so also faith in itself Mm. is faith in itself is dead. In other words, I'm arguing that the kind of faith that I'm trying to describe is not merely outwardly inoperative, but inwardly dead. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's a great point there. And would it be safe for me to say that in your view, the genuine faith encompasses obedience, leads to obedience, uh, inspires obedience or inspires good works? It should. It should. <laughs> it should. I mean, it should. Because here's the thing. You can have the right theology, but the wrong Christian life. Hmm. You can even have the right theology, and I would go as far as to say, it will not save you. Oh, oh, okay. Let me give an example. Mm -hmm. The demons are the best theologians. Did you know this? They say that God is one. 
They are correct in that statement, are they not? We believe yes, God they are. well, but they are enemies of God. Why? Because their actions are contrary to that of the will of God. But they have the same theology as we do. It's a good thing to possess an accurate theology. Don't get me wrong. It's a good thing to possess an accurate theology, but it is unsatisfactory unless that good theology also possesses us. Oh, okay. Those of us, those of us, especially in ministry, must beware the danger that our theology, though accurate and well stated, it might degenerate likewise into a verbal, it's not into action, to not into the right words to say. It's theology for theology's sake, or scholasticism, as it might later be called in church history. So here's how I think of this. This is what I think faith and works is. Faith and works collaborating together as a result of justification. I'm concerned with a faith that is in action. I see faith and actions that are working together, a faith that is made complete by what someone does. Wow. Wow, it's made complete by by what someone does, and um, uh, I think it would also be uh, appropriate for me if I could I could say that it appears that faith and good works are two sides of the same coin. Right, but we don't want to overemphasize one to the other. Right. Great point. Great we point. To, you have to constantly be flipping the coin. If I can keep yes, pushing the metaphor a little bit, hmm. you have to, you know. So Paul, yeah. so Paul and I actually have some commonalities on this issue. Me and Paul reroute a person's justification in their faith. I do. You need to have faith. I do not say that a person is justified by works and not by faith. Some mm. people think that I say that. What I say, not by faith alone, is mm. what I've said. Mm. There is a bogus kind of faith out there that I'm trying to attack. A faith that claims that you can have faith but no works at all. Hmm. I would also argue that the Apostle Paul would agree with me on that, that there is a yes. bogus faith out there that we need to work against. Apostle Paul teaches that faith is dynamic and that it's a powerful force through which believers are ultimately united with Christ. If you go back and read his letter to the Romans, Paul talks about what it means that we declare our reliance and commitment to Christ as the Lord of our faith. Declaring someone to be your Lord demands that you surrender and that you were completely in alignment with them, not in a half-hearted obedience. That's what the Apostle Paul speaks about. And Galatians chapter 5, you know what Paul says? Paul speaks of faith as expressing itself through love. That's hmm. what he says. Uh, so me and the Apostle Paul are not quarreling. Uh, we agree that it's not faith alone that justifies. Hmm. And so if I were to harmonize the Apostle Paul and me together, this is how I would say it. If a sinner can get into a relationship with God only by faith, that's Paul, the ultimate validation of that relationship takes into account the works that true faith must inevitably produce. That's what I would add to it. We're working together. We're mm-hmm. collaborating together. We agree together. And so yeah, I just feel like I want to say, no one captured this message that I'm trying to say more better than my good old Saint Martin Luther and his preface to the epistle to the Romans. He said, oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. 
It is impossible for it not to be doing good things incessantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question is asked, it has already done this and it constantly is doing them. Whoever does not do such works, however, is an unbeliever. He gropes and looks around for faith and good works, but knows neither what faith is nor what good works are. Yet he talks and talks with many words about faith and good works. I just want to say that I get the last laugh over my brother and Saint Martin Luther, who famously called my letter an epistle of straw because of my comments. (laughs) Fifteen twenty-two, when he translated the New Testament into German, he put my book at the back of the New Testament. He didn't get rid of it. He knew he couldn't (laughs) get rid of it, but he put it in the back. He demoted it. But Mm -hmm. I want to say that I get the last laugh that Martin Luther is actually saying exactly what I said, despite calling my epistle an epistle of straw. And so I get the last laugh. Well, I would love to that as well. You did get a last laugh. Yeah, good point there. Uh, I'm really, really inspired um, by this exposition uh, on faith and works. I believe you were edified by this interaction. Please join me again next week, God willing, for the fourth part of my conversation with James. Until then... May God bless your meditation on this one in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Watch and Walk Podcast with Ebenezer. Watch and Walk Podcast comes to you this and every Wednesday. To get notifications of new episodes, please subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Watch and Walk Ministry. Visit us at watchandwalk.org to learn more about this ministry. God bless you.